So lastly, Pastor Garfield shared with us the importance of understanding the difference between the offices and the gifts of the fivefold ministry. He also shared the importance of having all of those giftings in the house and operating in the church. And if we can just go back and revisit Ephesians 4, 11, 13. If you guys don't know this by heart by now, um, I want you guys to go ahead and read this with me. One, two, three. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And some translations of this, um, that part where it says the perfect man, it's talking to the maturity of man. So God gave, Jesus left all of these gifts for us. So it can not only edify the body, but then we grow in our maturity as spiritual sons and daughters. See, I come from a Pentecostal background, if you didn't know that by now. Um, and I've seen and I've experienced the fivefold ministry in full operation, all working side by side to build up, equip, and send out the saints for kingdom work. And through my studies, I came across this illustration. So I'm going to call forth Jacinta, Joel, Michael, Peter, Adam, and Amy. So this illustration spoke perfectly to the giftings of the fivefold ministry. And we're gonna see how that works. So I need I need first an evangelist. Can I have an evangelist stand right here? Come on, come on, come on, gotta move fast, move fast. I need a pastor, shepherd. <laughs> I'm doing some prophetic movement right now. Uh, um, teacher. Come on, teacher. Prophet. Apostle. Okay, so Adam, you are left. So you are going to be someone who has not encountered the presence of God yet. So this is what's going to happen. Come on, Adam. So what happens in the fivefold ministry is this. First, Adam meets the evangelist. Now the evangelist is doing their work on the outside of the ministry and they're sharing the word of God and then they encounter Adam. And Adam falls so in love with what the evangelist is saying and set a fire that they want to change their he wants to change his life. So he says, I give my life, I receive salvation. Now the evangelist, the evangelist then hands him over to the pastor. What happens with the pastor is, the pastor is the nurturer, he's the caretaker. So whatever wounds or whatever things that, that um, Adam may have faced in his past before coming to know the Lord, he is there to comfort him. Not, no, 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 no. We, you're there to comfort him and nurture him back into health and to speak into his life. And then after the pastor, this almost happens, um, 
at the same time. Pastor, you just left. You just left him. You, you literally have to give him over to the teacher. <laughs> oh God. So here you have you have the teacher. The teacher is gonna help Adam build a strong foundation in the world. Word. He's also going to get him connected with other people through Bible study, so he can continue to grow in the Word of God and apply it to his life. So now, that teacher then hands him over to the prophet. Now, this can be a little tricky. Because the prophet gives revelation of his spiritual and Christian walk, right? It may be that the prophet is bringing correction. It may be that the prophet is bringing blessings. It just depends on where Adam is in his Christian walk. But no matter where he is, the point of him encountering the prophet is so that whatever he is about to walk into, he is prepared to do so. So the prophet then hands him over to the apostle. Now the apostle has been waiting a long time for Adam to come forth. He's been waiting for a long journey from all the way from the evangelist for him to get to him because this is the place where the apostles say, I see the gifting and the calling that is placed on your life. Now it's time for me to equip and empower you and send you out for kingdom work. Can we give a round of applause for our volunteers today? Thank you so very much. Appreciate you so very much for that. It's amazing to me to see that even at the end of this illustration that the prophet and the apostle were side by side at the end. And that'll make sense to you in a couple of minutes. Um, today we're gonna turn our gaze to the way of the prophet. So let's go ahead and dive into the message. The prophet is a translation, in the translation um, of Greek, prophetes, which means it's the voice piece, the mouthpiece of God. Now the root, the root of this word is pro and feme. Pro means before, front, or behalf. They made means to declare, to speak. Now, Strong's defines the prophet as a foreteller, um, an inspired speaker, an interpreter, a spokesman of God, one who speaks for divine inspiration, an oracle who speaks of the hidden things. And according to this Greek translation, we then can see before us four positions of the prophet. Remember I said pro means before, front, and on behalf. First, the prophet is positioned before the Lord, meaning that the prophet remains always in the presence of God, always awaiting a clear message, instructions, and understanding so he can communicate that to communicate that message to God's people. Now the second, second the prophet is positioned in front of people. See, after receiving the revelation of, from God, the prophet then has to impart or deliver the revelation to others. 
Third, the prophet is positioned to speak on behalf of the Lord, not adding anything and not taking anything away. Fourth, the prophet is positioned to speak of future things, things to come. Much of the prophet's ministry is, predict is, is a predictive in nature. God gives them foresight of what's to come. Now, these prophets were depicted in scripture in two different ways. It was based on how they, were, they received their revelation from God. Navi was one. Navi is the prophet that hears the word from God and is known as the speaking prophet. Then you have Ra, the prophet who sees things in the spirit, and he is known as a seer or the seeing prophet. Have any of you encountered any of those prophets in your life? Come on, you can raise your hand. I see a hand back there. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, we can also see that this, these types of um, prophets are outlined in scripture. You have the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, and it should have some on the screen soon. You can see the rest of them. I'm just going to name a few for the sake of time. You have the prophetess, which is Deborah, Miriam, Hilda, um, Anna, and the four daughters of Philip. And you have the intertestamental um, prophets, Simeon, John the Baptist, and Jesus Christ. Other prophets you can find during scripture can be Enoch, Abraham, Aaron, Samuel. But here's the thing. Unfortunately, just like the debate concerning the apostles, the prophet's office and gift is still under debate as well. But they are still relevant for today. Ephesians already confirms that these gifts will be active to the end of the church age. And if we remember, Peter repeated Joel 2, 8, I mean Joel, and it says that um, he speaks to the outpouring of the Spirit during the day of Pentecost. And just to remind you that this outpouring still is happening today. We see it in college campuses. We see it in churches around the world. God is still pouring out his spirit today. And one of the scriptures we keep repeating over and over again because we want to make sure that you have it in your spirit is Acts 2, 17 through 18. And it says, and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my what? On all flesh, and my sons and daughters shall Young men shall see, young men shall dream, I mean old men shall dream, and on my manservants and my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in, in those days and they shall what? Let's look a little deeper into the scriptures um, to understand why the prophet is so necessary for today. 
Um, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, and whom the whole building, being fitted together, grow in holy in a holy temple in the Lord, and whom you also built together for the dwelling place of God in the Spirit. See, Jesus was not only the cornerstone, but he himself was the epitome of the fivefold ministry. Jesus was an apostle. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was an evangelist. Jesus was a good shepherd. Jesus is a pure example of how to live out and fulfill God's mission within these gifts and ultimately within the office of the building in the church. From our illustration a little earlier in the introduction, uh, when a prophet declares a word, the role may be complete at that time when he releases that word. Someone who has an apocalypse, excuse me, has the gift of um, apostleship, considers the word, and if needed, will respond and mobilize a response to the message that the prophet gives. In other words, the prophet comes to the house, the prophet should be in the house, the prophet releases something unto the congregation, and the prophet has the responsibility to move on that word. We saw this relationship between the prophets and even um, the apostle ministry throughout scripture. And again, that's why we're focusing on the ministry gift and office and not the title. I need you to understand that we are not focusing on the title. We are focusing on what the word says, the spiritual giftings and the office of the prophet. The relationship between every prophet and the king. The king, the king operated in the Old Testament as an apostleship um, during that time. God would send the prophet and the king would mobilize the people. It was the king's decision to respond to the prophetic declaration. So the same is true for the church today. When someone has a prophetic gift speaks, someone with the apostle gift chooses how to respond and mobilize the people and keep them committed to completing the task. The belief that the office or the gift of the prophet or prophecy may, see, may receive a lot of restriction today. And that could be because we see a lot of mishandling of the gift in the body of Christ. And we also see how um, mainstream actually views this gift and how it has become so polluted by false prophets who use these gifts for personal gain. But Peter warned us of this, right? Second Peter 2, 1 through 3. But there were also false prophets among the people, and even as there were false teachers among you, 
who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom of the truth will be blasphemed. If you just think about just those scriptures right there, how Peter warned us that there will be false prophets, but he also reminded us that destruction will be swift. And I know sometimes we look and we see things on the media and we're like, Lord, where are you? <laughs> Why are you allowing these people to act up in this way? But just understand that judgment will not be idle and their destruction does not slumber. See, knowing that the foundation, if we go back to um, what we read before about the foundation of the church being founded on the prophet and the apostle, with Christ being the cornerstone, knowing this, why, would, why wouldn't the enemy try to imitate our created counterfeit? It's portraying false prophets as the mouthpiece of God. One, to discredit the church and hinder people from the church are accepting the role or identity as a prophet of the house. We can't ignore the gift of prophecy or the prophet just because of these things, because we are warned to look out for these things. But it's almost like, I heard this the other day, it's almost like you have a $100 bill and that $100 bill has changed hands and probably went some shady places, came back to you. Does the value of that $100 change? The need of that value of that $100, does that change? The need of the profit in the house is essential to the body for the edifying and the unity of the, of the, of the house. But listen here, here's a blessing. When we look further into 2 Peter um, 1, we can see the true representation of one operating in the prophetic gift. 2 Timothy, if we look at 19 through 21, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place. Until the dawn, day dawns and the morning star shines in your hearts, knowing this verse, no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, operating in the, the, the office or the prophetic ministry cannot be manufactured. It cannot be self-willed. You cannot use your knowledge of someone to create a word of revelation. This can only be given by the Spirit of God. And a true prophet will only move when the Lord says to speak. The reason why this is so important is because the prophet spends time in the presence of God 
and they're completely sensitive and subjected to the Holy Spirit when God speaks. The prophet is then prepared to receive and interpret, seek clarification in preparation to release that word unto God's people. Now I'm gonna give you a little story about me. I remember the first time um, I received the revelation of uh, my prophetic gift. I was always one who had prophetic dreams. I would dream something that would come to pass. I would dream something, a warning, a warning dream, and then I would be like, okay, Lord, we're gonna pray on this so this doesn't come to pass. You know, those kind of things. And, but this one was a little different. It was more of an open vision that I never experienced that before. I read it in the Word. I read how it happened in the Old Testament, but I didn't know at that time that it was possible for someone like me to be able to walk into that. I had no knowledge of truly how to operate this gift. When it would come, I just knew that I was close enough to God that through his Holy Spirit, I will see things about people's lives and sometimes felt this extreme unction to go and minister to them. At that time, the, the gifting was new and I didn't understand in my naivety. I sometimes shared things that weren't ready to be released. And this is strange because I submitted my gifting unto a ministry. But I didn't have anyone to cultivate the gift. But I had a lot of people who wanted to use the gift. But there was one thing that I did know, even in my, even in me being so naive at that time, what I did know is that if the Holy Spirit didn't reveal anything, there was no way I was gonna open my mouth to speak. I know for some of you today, you're probably, I don't know, you're, you're contemplating what that really looks like, what prophecy really looks like today. And this might sound a little strange, but as we read before, that God gave seers. He gave those prophets who saw things and spoke things, and he gave those words of revelation where they spoke. But what I understood from this experience was the gift of prophecy is nothing to be taken lightly. It can't be gone into without understanding because the magnitude and the weight of the gift. For the office of the prophet, the weight is even heavier. See, whereas someone who, is, who carries the gift of prophecy speaks mostly on an individual level into people's lives, those who operate in the office of the, the prophet carry the weight of the church and the lives affected by the church. And they speak directly to the position and the concerns of the church. But this is not without prosecution. Matthews 5 and 11 through 12 says, blessed are you when, you're, you, when they reviled you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for, the, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
it is not without persecution. Neither is it without judgment. Isaiah 30.10 says, Who say to the seer, do not see? And to the prophet, do not prophesy to us the right things. Speak to smooth things, prophesy deceits. It is very rare for someone living contrary to the word of God um, to want to hear what the prophet has to say, uh, to hear the rebuke of the prophet. See, it's more comfortable to go along with the 1 Corinthians 4 and 13 when it says, but he who prophesies speak edification and exhortation and comforts men. But very few want to embrace the prophet's role in alignment with Jeremiah 1, 9 through 10. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Our the prophet's roles in exposing the hearts and bringing conviction according to one of the first Corinthians 14, 24 through 25. But if all prophecy and unbelievers are, un are an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, but he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his hearts are revealed and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and that God is truly among you. See, there are three messages of the prophet, three messages of the prophet throughout the scripture. And I want you to notice how relevant these messages are today. There is the prophecy and warning or repentance, the prophecy and judgment, the prophecy of future blessings and hope. For the sake of time, I'm only going to highlight a couple of prophets for examples of these messages. For the prophet C and warning, we have two prophets who spoke of this, and that was Ezekiel and Hosea. Ezekiel developed, I mean, delivered his prophecy in Babylon to the people about their sins, and he gave them an opportunity to repent and offered hope. Hosea delivered the prophecy, his prophecy in Israel to illustrate Israel's spiritual adul um, adultery and warn of destruction. These prophecies usually came as a result of covenant violation, which most of the time included things like social injustice, idolatry, reliance on spiritual ritualism. The prophet the prophets of the, the prophets for prophecy and judgment include Isaiah and Abedha. Isaiah delivered prophecy in Judah to convince the people that salvation was possible through the repentance and hope is coming in the Messiah. Abedha delivered his prophecy in Judah to affirm that wickedness will not prevail and to remind Judah that God is still in control. Can you see that today? Can you see how this applies to today? 
See, before God um, brought down his judgment upon his people, there was always a warning and always a way towards restoration. Now for the prophets of prophecy and future blessings. We have Zechariah and Hagar. Zechariah did, uh, delivered his prophecy to Judah to give them hope, um, give hope to the remnant. Hagar de uh, delivered his prophecy and Judah to urge the people to complete rebuilding the temple. Hagar um, 2 and 5 says, according to the word that I have covenanted with you, when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. So do not fear. Jeremiah was another prophet, and he, de he delivered his prophecy to Judah. And it was to warn them of their destruction, to remind them of their sin, and to convince them to submit to Babylonian invaders. But the Lord gave him this word, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. You know this probably by heart. For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and, and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with your whole heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place, back from, I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to a place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. So often we think that the church is being um, persecuted. So often we see, and that is true, that is true. We have been privileged in the U.S. to be able to fully live out our Christian walk before man. But we often see resistance in the world. We often see the damage in the world. We often see the social injustices. We often see even the pattern among Christian believers. But that's not what God intended for the church because he gave us the fivefold. So what does this mean for the church? The gift of prophecy is given to can be given to you any of God's children through the Spirit. In fact, if you go to 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 3 through 4, it says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. But he who prophesies speak to the, speaks edification and exhortation and comfort man. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies Edifies the church. What we can't stress enough is that the role of the prophet in the fivefold ministry is to prepare and equip the saints to be able to operate in those gifts. See, rather you believe that you have the gift of prophecy or 
believe that you are called to operate in the role of the prophet in the house. Understand that they're all for the building of the body of Christ. Also remember that this gift and office are not to be taken lightly. There's a level of boldness, a level of responsibility, a level of passion, compassion, empathy, and the weight that you have to carry for God's people. So if you are here today and you believe that God is calling you to be a prophet, calling you to operate in the office of the prophet, I want to say this, even for those of you who are looking, who are watching online, get into a Bible-believing, equipping church to cultivate that gift, to help you grow in faith, strength, and in kingdom revelation. Yes, you will need the Holy Spirit to teach you and guide you in all truth, but you also need the body of Christ to uplift and center you to keep you focused on the right path and to admonish and celebrate you. See, here um, at Emerge, we understand the impact and the necessity for the fivefold ministry and the giftings of the fivefold. And we understand that our mandate, our mandate is to recognize the gifting that God has placed in you to recognize the calling that God has placed in you. So all of those that we encounter along the way, our vow is to equip and empower and send you out at the proper time for the work of ministry. If you are here today again and you understand the call in your life, or if you're still just trying to figure out, Lord, I don't know what that gifting is, we are here to walk with you. The only thing that you have to do is allow us to walk with you on the journey. As Pastor Garfield mentioned, um, before we have um, seen God work forth, many kingdom workers through church plans that we've done in our mentoring, and we've even seen that happen here in this church. Some people have become pastors. Some people have become missionaries. Some people have even gone back to seminary, praise God. We've seen it all. And we believe that God is still doing more. He continues to outpour his giftings. So today, I truly believe that God has had a clarion call. That's a clear message of instruction about what action is needed and being needed to release in the prophetic ministry. There's a, a quote that says, "Is having stood in the council of God, the prophet releases a, a clarion call to the people of what is in God's heart at the moment. What do you think God is saying to us in this moment? In this present time, what is God saying to the church? What is God saying to you? In closing, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up. 
Veterans Society and the position of the Big C Church today. Can you see us in this message? Can you see the need for the prophet to speak prophecies of wisdom, prophecies of judgment, prophecies Prophecies of correction. Do you see it? We have fallen sometime. We have fallen into earthly habits. And somehow we've damaged our witness. But we acknowledge there's a need for repentance in the church. We realize there is a need for correction in the church, and we realize there is a need for hope. So why would we just accept only parts of the fivefold ministry? After scripture upon scripture reveals the importance of these functions, I still stand perplexed and even find it hard to ponder sometimes the actions are the thoughts of the church who say that these are dead. We should not be able to pick and choose which functions we prefer. Just like we cannot just pick and choose certain scriptures to build our theological framework. We need them all to eliminate one or avoid one or disengage any role is to fail to acknowledge the fullness of Jesus, to walk in the fullness of what Jesus intended for the church. Think about for a moment before I pray. Just think about your thoughts of the fivefold ministry. Have they been challenged today? Have you felt an unction in your spirit that you need to walk into the giftings that God has called you to? Or are you someone who's just like, I really don't understand completely the fivefold ministry. Are these giftings that you're talking about? I'm new to this whole Christian thing and I just wanna know Jesus. The opportunity is here today. Jesus left the fivefold ministries to edify and unify the body of Christ into its maturity. We need each other. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Abba Father, you are so, so good to us. Lord, we thank you for the representation of the fivefold ministry through your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord God, we acknowledge that we need all of them in order to operate in the kingdom. One cannot operate without the other. 
one cannot fulfill the mission of God of your mandate without the other. We see that. Lord, in our disbelief, align us with your word, align us with your spirit. Lord, I even ask that in the midst of this room that if there is a gift of prophecy in this room, Lord, that you will start pouring out your spirit. would give them open vision, Lord God, that they know without a shadow of doubt that it is you. Because we know when your word goes forth, it comes to pass. So God, ignite that fire in us, ignite your spirit in us, that we would embrace everything that you are calling us to. Let us not walk in hindrance anymore because the world needs us. So Lord, let us be that light in the dark places as it is spoken in the scriptures today. Our giftings are not for us, but it's for the edification of the body. But it's also that those that are on the outside can see your glory and want to be with you. It's to bring them all to you. So God, in this moment, touch every heart, touch every mind. Oh God, touch every spirit. If there's anybody in the house today or even online who does not have a personal relationship with God, today is your time. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again and he is your personal Lord and Savior. So Father, for those who don't know you, Lord, I ask that through this message they saw a glimpse of your glory, a glimpse of your love. But Lord, let them experience the warmth and grace of your grace. Lord, bring them to you. Draw their hearts to you, God. Let them seek you, Lord God. And Lord, I ask that you place people around them that will build them up, that will speak into their life, that will help them on their Christian journey. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Abba Father, for being so good to us. We thank you for giving us examples and giving us scripture giving us insight. Lord, we give you praise for all of these things. In Jesus' holy name, amen, amen.